welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello again, everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, it's been less of a crazy week, but when I say that, I mean it like mod- moderately less, like not even moderately, slightly less crazy than it was last week. Um, the situation in Ukraine and Russia has escalated uh, and continues to escalate. Um, and the rest of the world just has to watch on. Uh, but we're going to try and take your mind off of things that are happening in the world uh, and look to the future in today's Africast. Uh, but before that, we do need to look at what news uh, ha- has been on the ghost. Um, so, Clinton, let's start with you. Uh, you've been playing a game, uh, the new Shadow Warrior, I believe. Yes, the Shadow Warrior 3 came out. Um we have a review on the site. When we talk about our reviews now, all, those will all be on the site. So you can go check them out. Shadow Warrior 3 is the third game fl- from Flying Wild Hog. That's uh, difficult to say fast. Uh, that's the developer. And it's also been published by good old Devolver Digital. And um, yeah, this game, it was exactly what I was expecting. But I was expecting a bit more. So for those who haven't caught up, um, the first Shadow Warrior that came out a long time ago now in 2009, well, the first reboot um, was pretty good, but it was, sorry, 2013 it came out. It was pretty good, but it was just kind of run-of-the-mill, old-school, new-school shooter. And then in 2013, we got Shadow Warrior 2, and it was very much a Marmite game. And the reason for that is it took that old-school, new-school shooting formula, and it added loot drops, um, not paid loot drops, just uh, random weapons like you'd get in Borderlands, and then it also added some light RPG elements, and a lot of people disliked it, and I really liked it. Um, I haven't replayed it just because I 100%ed it when it came out, and I didn't really feel a need to go back, but a lot of people just didn't like those elements of the game, and uh, the developers saw that um that feedback and they said well okay we'll just go back to how the first game was and that's exactly what they did and this game that's come out is exactly what they said it would be but it's just it it just doesn't do enough it does nothing new there's nothing in this game that i can point to and say oh that's innovative that's new or even that's a gimmick you know the word gimmick is used in a a a negative context a lot of the time um it's kind of pointed out as a crutch for something or a cheap gimmick or something like that. But I I don't think, especially in games that a gimmick is that bad. You need something that you can put on the box, even though we don't have boxes anymore. You need something that you can put on the box and get people excited about. And for shadow warrior three, there's just, there's nothing. It's a shooting game that has melee also sometimes, and it has a grappling hook, but the grappling hook can only be used in parkour sections that are separate from the combat. And it has pseudo-glory kills, which, uh, you know, Doom 2016 kind of created and perfected at the same time. And this just feels like a worse copy. And everything it does has either been done in other games before, or it's just been done to a way that is just not satisfying to, you know, interface with. Um, I think the big gimmick they wanted to talk about is uh, gore weapons. Are they called gore weapons or glory weapons? Gore, gore weapons. Gore weapons, yes. I had that in my email here. Um, and the way gore weapons work is when you glory kill certain enemies, certain big enemies, uh, they will give you a weapon. You basically you rip it out of them and use it as your own. And it, I mean, it's cool, but the problem is that the, the combat isn't really balanced for it. And by that, I mean I played the game on hard mode. and 
most of my glory kills, you need a power up to use a glory kill and to get gore weapons. Most of mine were used on the weaker enemies that didn't even have gore weapons. And the reason I chose to do it like that is because you also get a health boost when you use the glory kill. So it was more prudent to just save all my glory kills to fill up my health instead of getting weapons. So maybe I was playing the game wrong. I thought I was playing the game in the best way possible to win. Um, especially on hard difficulties. So this is just, this isn't even vanilla ice cream. This is like warm tap water. And I know that sounds overly critical, and especially because this isn't a $60 game, even though it is quite expensive. Um, and this is an indie developer. It's just that I had more fun with the first, uh, the second game. And I understand I'm a kind of a, a roguelike fan, so I like randomness in games. But I got to the end of this game. It's just around six hours long. Even though I played it on hard, I didn't need to repeat too much of it. And I was just like, okay, that sure was a game. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm left. This may be of a short report back on this game, but you can check out my review and I just don't have that much more to say about it. It's just, it's a shooting game. They got rid of the interesting stuff from the last game. And all that's left is the kind of non-interesting stuff. Um, you can check out the trailers and you can see more about it. And that's Shadow Warrior 3. The only thing, um, I'm, I just reread my review before we, we sat down for this podcast. I did just run out of space. The review got too long. I didn't have a chance to talk about performance. It's not good. Um, it has absolutely insane stuttering and hitching. And for my PC, sorry, I'm just going to have a drink here. Sorry, I had a frog in, a frog in the throat there. Frog, I'm thinking about Thor. And that's a, <laughs> it's a premonition for later in the podcast. Um, there's, the stuttering and the performance issues were unacceptable. Um, I have a rig that's much higher spec than the minimum specs of this game. And it felt like my PC could barely run it. I think it has something to do with DirectX 12 because Elden Ring came out and that also has massive stuttering issues. Um, the... I, I saw some reviews that gave this game very high praise. I didn't see if they were playing it on PC and experienced this too, but it was insane hitching and insane stuttering. I don't know why it was so bad, um, but I didn't even mention that in my review. So there's a lot wrong with this. This is one of those games where if a Steam sale starts on a Friday and this game is like 50% off or more, you'll buy it and you'll finish it before Monday and then you'll just never think about it again. And maybe there's a space for that in the market. I know a lot of people like games that are on the six-hour mark. The previous game I saw to 100%ed, I had about 18 hours in it. So people aren't liking that as much nowadays. So if a short, very vanilla game is what you want, then here it is. And also, I feel like I'm I'm not in the, mini the minority because I saw the Steam reviews and this has mixed reviews. But there are people who do want this game and there are other reviews who played it and said yes that's exactly what i wanted so you know that's my review check it out i wasn't too impressed with shadow warrior 3 milk toast it sounds like yeah this and, game was yeah, just very nothing to get excited about. and not much <laughs> to get excited about but robin you were excited to play uh gran turismo 7 correct yeah, that's right. Uh, we were lucky enough to get a couple of weeks with the game before it launches on 4th of March. Um, and yeah, it's obviously one of the franchises that help solidify the PlayStation as a iconic console brand. Uh, you can probably remember probably Gran Turismo 3 and Gran Turismo 5 as being 
fairly similar as far as realistic driving simulators go. And Gran Turismo 7 has a lot to live up to in that regard. So this game is celebrating the 25th anniversary of the franchise itself. So there's also a bit more added uh, weight uh, that it has to kind of carry. And it is very much a Gran Turismo game. I know that sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but uh, Polyphony Digital have always had a, a unique approach to the way they present games. Obviously, there's a lot of painstaking effort that goes into getting at, as photorealistic representations of vehicles in the game as possible. Uh, that has not changed here. Um, the actual visual presentation of vehicles, uh, the way that light reflects off of them uh, as you're driving, um, watching back your laps is is really calming and uh, and uh, is, is a really great way to experience the game. I know that sounds really boring to a lot of people that aren't into motorsport and stuff like that, but it is genuinely one of the one of the more beautiful uh, aspects of the game and uh, Polyphony also uh, developed a, a kind of area of the game where you can just watch your vehicle that you have re- recently acquired or won in a race in different kind of surroundings so uh, you can be going through uh, a wooded area and, and just kind of experience what uh the performance of the vehicle is like in different kind of environments. So if you, I guess, are a, a purist, uh, without trying to sound too elitist, um, and really just love uh, vehicles and cars for their aesthetics, this is already a game that you should be considering. Um, as far as the actual gameplay goes, um, it was a little bit mixed. Um, I know that games like uh of Horizon have really kind of set the bar as far as ease of accessibility and really pushing forward that kind of arcade style gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, that really isn't present here. So with Gran Turismo 7, there's a lot of uh, tutorialization that happens early on. Uh, Polyfile, you want you to explore the different areas and you kind of have to work your way almost. I, I don't want to use the word grind too much, but it is sometimes a grind as far as accessing, accessing your areas when you're starting off. Um, license center, for example, it's something that you essentially have to do. Um, initially, I was a bit frustrated by it because there are, if I remember correctly, almost six different classes of license you have to wow. get through, and there are between eight and ten different uh, tasks you have to do per license. So it can be a little bit frustrating in that respect, but uh, once you actually complete a license, you get a car. And that essentially opens up new avenues for you to try different types of races, different classes of races. So there is a grind to it, but I think it's also rewarding in that respect. Uh, you get uh, uh, decent rewards if you put in the effort. Um, one of the one of the really uh, tricky uh, licenses I was trying to get was for my special class license. I had to race around the iconic Laguna Seca racetrack. Uh, with a, a Honda F1 2019 car. Um, it took me a good half an hour to get a decent enough lap time to, to, to move on to the next stage. Uh, but what I really enjoyed about it was uh, as I was competing, I could see my previous lap times on, on, on the ghost car. And there is something quite satisfying about <laughs> shaving off little second, milliseconds here and there, uh, hitting apexes better on this lap than you did previously. And you kind of see that experience. And... From that perspective, I think Gran Turismo has, has done really well. Um, it is very technical. Uh, you can really get down into the minutiae of setting up your vehicle, uh, systems of suspension, uh, types of tires, um, 
the, the kind of aspiration in terms of the engine, you, you can really get into really nitty gritty stuff. You can get quite geeky about it, which is not, I know it's not up everyone's alley, but I really enjoyed that. Um, that said, it, it can be a little bit frustrating. Um, so I won a 1965 Mini Cooper S in one of the races, and I thought I could qualify for another cup. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the right specification of tyre. So I couldn't enter that race. I then had to go back to the tuning factory and purchase the right tires. The same kind of thing happened with a, a GT Cup race. Um, Gran Turismo 7 has this system called PP, which is uh, PowerPoints. So each car is kind of given a specific PP rating. And you, there are certain thresholds as far as entering races. Um, if your PP is too high, you can't enter the race. And I had just won a nice 2019 Supra that was souped up. Uh, but unfortunately, it was too powerful to enter the race. So I had to find another avenue to try and get an air to purchase another car. Um, so there are, I guess, some frustrating elements to it. But if you enjoy grind, if you enjoy the reward that you're going to get from competing all the time, uh, this is definitely a game that's up your alley. I've kind of spoken about the the fidelity. Um, unfortunately, we had to give back our Sony Bravia TV that we recently reviewed. Uh, we played Horizon Forbidden West on it. It was amazing. I was unfortunately didn't get a chance to play uh, Grand Turismo Seven on that, which would probably be equally as impressive. But um, from a performance perspective, graphics perspective, it ticks all the boxes. I was really, really pleased with what I saw. And um, yeah, again, watching back laps, um, it, it's almost akin to watching the live thing. I, I don't want to get too carried away with kind of saying that thing because. Uh, Obviously, it will never be like the real thing, but it, it is it's pretty darn close. Um, as far as feedback goes when you're driving, uh, Polyphony had done a, a good job as far as integrating the DualSense controller. I should have probably said that we reviewed this game on the PS5, so we got to experience that. Um, and they also done an expert job in terms of making each car feel unique as it should. Um, we, for example, raced with a Porsche Taycan, which is an all-electric vehicle. The sound, the acceleration, the feedback from the road as you're driving, it's all different compared to, say, the F1 car that I mentioned earlier that we were racing in or the uh, the Porsche, the old-school Porsche Carrera that we started the game with uh, in a mode called Music Rally. Kind of just, it's almost like an introduction to kind of the new system, uh, how the controls work and etc. So each car definitely feels unique, and I think Polyphony have really nailed that aspect. Um, so yeah, as far as a game for motoring purists, this probably ticks all the boxes. Um, it's just don't expect a arcade-style experience. There is going to be a grind to it, and if you're up for the challenge, you will be rewarded. It's simply a case of what kind of floats your boat as far as motoring games go. So... From my perspective, uh, highly recommended. I think it's a great showcase of what is possible visually on the PS5. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of my, my thoughts on the game. Rated it a, not to spoil everything, but uh, a 9 out of 10. Um, and yeah, really, really impressed by what Polyphony has shown. It's just a case of whether or not it's, it's to your taste. Robin, is it available on the PS4? It is available on the PS4, yes. Okay. Yeah, just because... The PS5 situation is still uh, kind of dire <laughs> in uh, indeed, South Africa indeed. and a lot of the rest of the world. So it's just always um, it's worth remembering it is available on the, the older console. So because I don't have a PlayStation, I'm kind of curious to see what um, Turn 10's response is in terms of Forza Motorsports. Um, 
like I enjoyed Forza Horizon 5. It was one of the best games I played last year. Um, but I prefer the um, the simulator type games, uh, the more realistic, uh, sort of like Gran Turismo. That's actually where I, I got a love for simulators was um, the first Gran Turismo game on the first PlayStation. So I'm glad to see that they've kind of kept that uh, as you wanted to avoid the grindy aspect of it. That was one of my favorite parts of that game. So, um, well, all those games rather. So I'm curious to see what Forza does uh, with its next iteration. Um, right, uh, my turn to look at news. Um, well, this is more of an ongoing thing that's happening over the next month or so. Um, well, actually, it's been it's been going on for a long time. So over the past year, Hypertext has been working uh, to create a test bench um, so that we are able to test components with uh, more regularity and uh, more consistency. Uh, so to give you an idea of what happens behind the scenes in the past with component reviews um, is we would generally use our own hardware, and that's not ideal for a number of reasons. I think the most important reason, though, is consistency. So if I, for instance, were to upgrade the RAM in my PC uh, and then do a... A, a review um, that would render any reviews that I did previously on my system kind of obsolete because I've changed the settings. I know that we're talking about very small differences here, but those differences make a difference in the long run, especially when you do testing things over a long time. So what we would have liked is to have a, a platform that we can keep going back to that is consistent. And thanks to Gigabyte South Africa, we now have that. Um, and the first piece of equipment that we've received is, well, we've received a few more. Uh, I'll touch on those in a moment. But I think the most important part that we've received is our motherboard, which is a Gigabyte B660 Gaming X with DDR4. Um, that's an important distinction because there is a DDR5 version of this board. Uh, we'll talk in, I'll talk about why we didn't opt for the DDR5 one uh, in a moment. Um, but this motherboard features an LGA 1700 socket and the Intel B660 b660 express chipset um that means that it supports 12th gen intel core processors um which is on our a little bit bigger uh so you need different mounting hardware all that sort of stuff um they are there's only one pci 4.0 slot pcie 4.0 slot uh, but there are two m.2 connectors that support pci 4.0 um and then the third supports pci 3.0 and 4x um which is not bad i mean uh, i I suppose if we were still back in the days of um, having multiple GPUs in a rig, uh, that might be a problem. But I don't think that's much of a problem these days, uh, thanks to NVIDIA kind of culling off. What was their, their multi-GPU thing called? NVI, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, and the yeah. AMD's name Crossfire. Crossfire. It was the coolest yeah. name in the business. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nvidia's kind of brought an end to that. So the the single PCIe Express or PCIe slot running it um, for the 4.0 standard is 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 nice to have. Um, so we're we are expecting an Intel 12th gen uh, processor. We will talk more about that when we receive it. Um, but over the next few weeks, we're going to be detailing all the equipment that we have received so far. Um, next week, we're going to be taking a look at our chassis, quote unquote, uh, from Cooler Master. I don't want to give too much away because my jaw kind of dropped when I opened this thing up. Uh, and I'm hoping to kind of convey that experience to our readers as well. So uh, keep checking back with Hypertext every Monday. We'll have a new piece of equipment for our uh, test bench. And uh, then we'll be able to start bringing you some more frequent and consistent hardware reviews 
uh, which I think is, is will be nice to have. Um, so yeah, that's that's it from us. Once again, thank you to Gigabyte South Africa, who be, we've been working with very closely to make this happen. Um, yeah, thanks to them. It's uh, it's been a long journey, but we're starting to see the fruits of it. I really hope uh, prices of components come down because yeah. It's- all good reviewing this stuff but <laughs> if nobody can you know, buy, it. buy it at the end of the day and people think when i say that i'm kind of being i don't know less than honest because oh we get the stuff to review yeah, but, but we have to send that stuff back yeah. guys if we want a new graphics card we have to buy a new graphics exactly. card. we're in the same boat as you are sure we get access to this stuff but the access we have is um very limited very limited and uh yes, parting is such sweet sir yeah. yeah and it's it's i don't want to i don't want to be ridiculous here but it's a uh, it's kind of worse because you get a taste and then yeah. you have to give it back. It's like, you know, what's worse, never experiencing it or like knowing what you don't have. And I experienced that. I reviewed a Huawei GT 4K screen. And yeah. I was like, I'll be I'll be fine to go back to my regular 10 <laughs> Dude, that, I can see it. It feels like the, it's like 240p now. Yeah. And I know it isn't. I know it's 1080p. But it's like I can see all the pixels. Text is so bad. I look at text the whole day, and I'm just like, is there something wrong with my monitors? Like, no, it's just 1080p, and it's not 4K. <laughs> I, I honestly wish I never reviewed that thing because, uh, yeah, 1080p looks so bad to me now. And I know that sounds very elitist, and it kind of is. But, yeah, sometimes it really sucks to have to send that nice stuff back, even though my PC really struggled to run anything at 4K. Uh, well, games. I could run the desktop and everything fine. But, uh, yeah, so I, I hope for everyone's sake that PC prices come down and then we can review stuff that people can actually buy. Right, let's move on. It's a new month. I can't actually believe it's already March. The year is running past us. Um, and we thought we would take a look at what's coming this month and what we can expect uh, in terms of movies, TV shows, games, and product releases. Um, so we're just going to run through some of our favorite stuff, uh, starting with movies and shows. I'm going to kick us off um, because I, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. But uh, Drive to Survive returns. If you don't know what that is, it is Netflix's um, – I think it's – best to describe it as its F1 docu-series. Uh, essentially what happens is every year Netflix – uh, tags along with the F1 teams as they travel around the world and they capture content and interviews with teams and team principals and they give you a sort of behind the scenes look at Formula One. However, uh, it's not just behind the scenes. There's a lot of drama that unfolds that maybe you don't see on screen while you're watching the races. Um, and sometimes Netflix has been accused of kind of making things seem a little bit more serious than they really were. Uh, but it is still a really great watch. And if you are not an F1 fan, I still highly recommend that you watch this because it's not just about the racing. It's not just about the cars. It's about the human interactions that happen. Uh, and of course, Sebastian Vettel just being the greatest human being alive. Um, and last year's F1 season was incredibly controversial. Uh, not just the final race uh, at Abu Dhabi, but the entire season. The uh, the rivalry between Max Verstappen and uh, Lewis Hamilton came to a head many times throughout the year uh, at Silverstone, at Monza, um, and then obviously at the final race in Abu Dhabi. But even before that, at the race, the most controversial race at Saudi, Saudi Arabia, uh, the race itself was controversial. The location of the race, rather, was controversial, not necessarily the race itself. 
but what happened during that race between Hamilton and Verstappen kind of set the tone for what was going to be the final race. Um, so I think this is going to be possibly the best season of Drive to Survive. Um, and it's coming on the 11th of March. It'll probably all drop in one go, uh, as Netflix has done in the past. I say that because Netflix has started to release things weekly, uh, which I'm not a fan of. Just go back to dumping it all on us, please. We like the binge, uh, and we'll stay on your platform for the binge, which is good for you. Um, so yeah, uh, another thing that, that is kind of noteworthy is moving into the 2022 season, uh, with Russia. There's a lot of talk about the Russian Grand Prix and all that sort of stuff. So I do wonder if that's going to be a get a mention. I don't think it will because uh, what what's happening right now likely took place what, when production was well over. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, Drive to Survive. There are currently three seasons on Netflix that you can watch right now. Um, the first season is by far the best. The second and third season are a little bit slow. The second season was kind of widely regarded as Netflix kind of trying to um, amp up the drama because it was a generally boring season, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, uh, Drive to Survive Season 4 arrives on 11th March on Netflix. Uh, watch out for it. Um, Clinton, what have you got for us in terms of movies and TV or movies? Or oh, TV? man. I have Jackass forever. So before <laughs> we get into it, this movie is out, depending on where you live. Um, it launched in February, uh, but in South Africa, it got delayed. No one really knows why. Um, the distributor told us this new date after it just disappeared from um, theaters. Um, the FPB, uh, we spoke to them. They said there's no delay with them. I thought because I've heard there's a lot of uh, male genitalia in this movie that maybe the FPB was having a problem giving it a rating, but we spoke to them and... They didn't have a problem with it, so we're not sure why the delay happened, but it happened. You know, nothing you can do about it. It's now coming out on the 11th of March, and I'm really excited for this. Um, Jackass is a franchise which had its heyday in the 2000s, so it's it's awesome to see it back, even though everybody's um, pushing 50 now, <laughs> uh, which is going to be weird seeing... All the characters with a lot of grey hair and, you know, just destroying themselves. But And also well, sober. Let's just not forget about them yeah, being sober uh, now, pretty well, much. Well, all of them. All of them that are in the movie. Um, famously, Bam Margera isn't coming back. That's uh, old kid. I mentioned it in the story, which we'll link to. But he's not in it. And I think don't think he's uh, sober at all. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, aside from the returning Jackass cast, they're also bringing in a lot of newcomers. So this is the newcomers that are in the movie are separate from the celebrity guests. Um, Machine Gun Kelly, Eric oh, Andre, okay. and a few other people are all in this. Oh, Tori Belletti from Mythbusters is in this, strangely. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tony Hawk is also in it. He's, I think he's been in all of them. Um, and I think Matt Hoffman is too... I'm not 100% sure, but there's a lot of celebrity guests. But then there's also the like new Jackass crew. Um, they brought in a lot of people. I, I think they just were like doing their own stunts on social media. Mm. And Jackass kind of picked them up and put them in this movie. So this is, the, I mean, it's in the title, Jackass Forever. It seems like this is a little bit of passing the torch. And then it's also kind of, I don't want to say it's nostalgia bait, but they're also leaning a bit on nostalgia because if you watch the movies, it's like, oh, get back together with your friends, which, you know, is nostalgia, but it's also kind of about the pandemic, you know, get back with the people who you haven't seen in a long time and you haven't seen the Jackass guys in a long time. So um, the reviews came out for this. I mean, this is a movie you kind of can't review, but 
the impressions of the movie came out when it launched overseas in February, and it's very positive. Um, I don't think there's almost nothing bad to say about it. It's these guys getting hurt, and that's what you came to see, right? So I'm very excited about this, the 11th of March. I can't wait to take my brother and my dad to go see this one. I'm very excited about it. And if you don't like this series, I mean, just don't watch it. I know a lot of people really hate it, even though I think the hate for it has uh, subsided over the years. I'm really excited about this. I don't know if it will be the last Jackass movie. It might be the last Jackass movie with the original crew, but I'm happy at least there's one more go around. And from the early impressions, it seems like it's really good. Uh, sorry, I wanted to ask, is um, Steve O in this? Yes, uh, everyone everyone except um, Sam and, of course, Ryan Dunn because um, he passed yeah, away. he passed away. So it would be a bit weird if they, like, I don't know, used CGI to put him back. But, uh, well, I mean, they um, could do a hologram, you know? I mean, they could. Um, I, well, I haven't seen it. Maybe they did do that, but I haven't seen any. I'm sure they would have made some news articles and they haven't seen anything yet. So everyone's here, mostly. Cool. Uh, Robin, what have you got for us in terms of movies or series? Yeah, so um, I think I've chatted about it before, but yeah. uh, and I have a huge blind spot when it comes to this, but The Batman. Ah. Uh, it's coming out on 4th of March, so by the time this is published, it will be in South African cinemas. Um, and yeah, uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, I've tried to keep away from spoilers as much as possible. That's not always uh, achievable when you're on Twitter and YouTube for your job. Um, but luckily, I have steered clear of any major spoilers. I'm really, really interested to see how kind of Matt Reeves has interpreted the character. I know that this this project has kind of been in development hell uh, initially when uh, Ben Affleck was still kind of tied to it. And there was obviously uh, quite a bit of backlash when uh, uh, the Battinson was announced as playing Bruce Wayne. Uh, also, I think um, Zoe Kravitz's casting as Catwoman also uh, drew a few critiques. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. Um, I know Matt Reeves in the lead up to the filming mentioned Chinatown a lot as a potential inspiration. Uh, I'm wanting to see whether or not he can kind of keep to that uh, or that was just kind of to drum up more interest, although I don't think you really need to do so for a Batman movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just looking forward to it. Uh, I'm just going to... I've already booked my tickets and I'm just going to let the IMAX <laughs> sound and visuals just wash over me as I try to enjoy the film. I, I, I take issue with people who take issue with Robert Pattinson. Um, because I think that everybody judges him on his role in the Twilight films. Yeah, hundred percent. But if you've watched anything of his, like uh, after the Twilight saga, like he's a damn good actor. Hundred. Um, like I recently watched The Lighthouse on Netflix. Man, what a good movie! What a good movie, and what a great performance from Robin Pat Robert Pattinson. It's he's so so good. Like if you if you still have this image of. Um, Edward from Twilight in your mind go and watch Lighthouse it'll change your opinion of him completely you should have kept the moustache for Batman that yeah. would have been different um, <laughs> I, I also like Robin book my tickets I booked for the so I wrote about this on the site um, they are doing a one day early showing only in IMAX and only in, in IMAX cinemas in South Africa um, I wrote a story about that I think all the tickets are sold out especially by the yeah. time you realize the showings would have already happened I booked one of them partly because of FOMO and also because they include a um, an alternate 
cover art for oh, it was one of the the famous one it, it's not the killing joke um i'm just gonna go uh, right come on load oh my God. <laughs> um they include an alternate art comic and i don't really is collect... it batman who laughs no 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 those are those are new that series is very new the one that you're getting well i just i don't collect comics but i kind of like having little mementos of like events um it's the long Halloween, um, That's and the, the, which is weird because this movie isn't at all an adaptation of the long Halloween, but I've heard that some elements of it have been adapted for the movie, so it's cool that they are giving this comic. I'm just worried that they said that it's limited, but it's like I paid like 200 Rand for this ticket. When I get there, the comic better be there. So by the get time there early. Got, get there early. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I'm also... I'm taking like an A4 plastic sleeve to put the comic book in oh, because I don't want to walk all the way back to my car to keep it safe while I watch the movie. I'm a bit pedantic. Will you be donning a cow? Oh cape? my God, I wish. If, if I had a cow, I'd probably, if I had one of those cows that has like a mouthpiece, like a, a chin guard, that could cover, I would have worn that with like a mask. You're like, yeah, hey, this is pretty funny. <laughs> um, I don't have one, so I won't be, um, I won't be in costume. I'll just be regular Joe in a mask. I'm just excited for another Batman movie, if I'm honest. Like, it's been so long since we had a good Batman oh. movie. Oh, so mean to uh, to Batflick. He wasn't good. He just wasn't a good... I didn't believe that he was Batman or Bruce Wayne. Like, he no, was just I watched, like... Eh. I watched that scene. A lot of people have said he's a good Bruce Wayne and a bad Batman, which I kind of agree with. Like, um, the opening of Batman vs. Superman, that movie's pretty garbage. Yeah. But the opening... Um, they call it like Black Zero Day or something. Let me just have a, such a funny name for it. Um, that opening where uh, it's the end of Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, and what's it called? Bruce Wayne is like coming into the city and trying to save like Bruce Wayne Tower or whatever. Yeah. It's called the Black Zero Event. I had no idea they gave it such a ridiculous name, wow. the Black Zero Event. Man, did you know that they wanted to call that movie... Son of Sun and Night of Night. Oh my goodness. Only, only Snyder can come up with something so flippin' ridiculous, man. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I dislike the guy, and I'm not saying I dislike his movies, but he does some some just some whack stuff in his movies, which makes zero sense. Like Army but, of the Dead. Yeah, that, that opening of that movie gave you such high hopes for the rest of it. And, and then the it rest was so boring of, that you fell asleep. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited like, uh, about this um i'm sure we'll all see it probably by next week uh we'll we'll discuss it a bit um i would have had a review for you guys because i i usually get sent invites but there was no media screenings for this movie i think uh the local distributors just thought oh, everyone's gonna see it anyway we don't have to put up press screenings so yeah we'll we'll talk about it next week hopefully right uh moving on to games uh who wants to go first I, I just spoke. Somebody. Okay, so Robin, you, what, what game are you looking forward to in March? Well, it's not a new game. It's an old game that's making its way to the current gen consoles, and that's going to be Grand Theft Auto V. It's coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X and S on the 15th of March, um, as well as Grand Theft Auto Online. Uh, I'm less worried about the online uh, element purely for the fact that that's too much of a mm-hmm. of a time drain. Um, but yeah, uh, looking to looking forward to uh, reuniting with Franklin and Franklin and the boys, and kind of seeing uh, what the performance is like on a current gen console. Um, and also, hopefully, Rockstar have not actually done a poor job 
of porting this game over uh, as they did with the the recent remaster which was from what i hear visually speaking a debacle well i so, mean yeah. they've now ported this game to two de- generations of console including the current one because it was yeah. originally released on the xbox 360 then it moved to the xbox one and now it's on xbox series x i mean on obviously the playstation equivalent two, two generation ports but three generations in total yeah yeah it's ridiculous. It's becoming Skyrim at this point. <laughs> yeah, everybody gives Skyrim uphill for releasing on everything. But I mean, GTA has been around since 2013 and nobody said, oh, when are you making a new GTA game? I suppose lots of people have asked that question. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, they, they did. Uh, I mean, it's like two or three months ago at this point. They announced that GTA 6 is in development. So another one's coming. In when? nine years. <laughs> no, 2030 20, probably. Yeah. GTA 5 took that long, eh? It took like five or six years to get made. Yeah. So we are not seeing GTA 6 anytime soon. Especially given the way that uh, game development has changed since the pandemic and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think like 2030 is actually maybe a good, a, a good shout. Made on the PS7. Maybe yeah. we can buy a graphics card for a recommended retail price by then. Maybe it'll, be It'll all be in the metaverse, don't worry. Yeah, oh, all, yeah, or everything will be in the metaverse. All World War Three will happen, and uh, we'll be fighting over canned beans in uh, gladiatorial combat. Uh, that could happen too. I hope the game comes out before then. That'll, <laughs> that'll be like the last one song of the old world is GTA Six. So, Robin, have you? Uh, 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 what makes you excited about this? Is it just the port, or just to play GTA Five again? I uh, just to experience the game again. I think. Uh, it has obviously been a long time. I don't think I did the upgrade uh, for previous gen. Um, but yeah, we were fortunate enough to have a PS5 in uh, in for a long-term review. So I'm going to try and make the most of it uh, while I have it. Awesome. Um, what okay. date, Robin? Hmm. What date is that? Do you have that offhand? Uh, 15th of March. 15th, cool. Right, I'm going to go next. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which uh, we know is coming out. I don't know much about it, and I think that's what makes it really interesting for me. Um, So this is the latest game from Bethesda, uh, who I'm not fans of, but this has (laughs) piqued my interest more than my disdain for Bethesda. Um, And yeah, this is coming out on the 25th of March, so right at the end of the month. Um, Tokyo is overrun by deadly supernatural forces um, perpetuated by a dangerous occultist causing Tokyo's population to vanish in an instant. Ally with a powerful spectral entity on their quest for vengeance and master a powerful arsenal of abilities to unravel the dark truth behind the disappearance as you face the unknown. That's the blurb for Did the you game. just come up with all of that? Brendan? No, no. <laughs> this is this press. Um, so, number one, uh, I'm excited to play a game set in uh, in Tokyo, in Japan. Um, I have not played uh, Ghost of Sekiro. Uh, is that? Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> Man, I'm getting my, my games mixed Sekiro up. Sekiro is the, uh, the From Software. Yeah, the From Software one. Get them mixed up because they were both set in Japan. The names are pretty silly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Your defense. Um, but yeah, so I'm really keen to to play a game that's set in Japan. Um, I know that there's uh, all the, um, what are those games? Yakuza. Um, but I never really got into them because they, they're just too weird for me. Um, there's so many of them. Yeah, they're, they're just a bit like, if you've ever played a Yakuza game, um, you either love it or you hate it. I think that it's a very Marmite game. 
Um, but this I'm really, really excited to play and see what it's about. Uh, as I said, I don't know much about it. I, I've tried to keep myself blind going into the game. Um, but it does seem like you are controlling supernatural powers against supernatural beings. Um, and I think the last game I played like that was Medium, which was, it was, it was all right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like blow your hair back sort of thing. Um, and I am kind of expecting this from Bethesda, uh, for Ghostwire Tokyo. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, seems like it could Uh be fun. Hopefully it's not yeah. as incredibly difficult as uh, the latest from software game. Uh, so anything I know, so anything I know about it is that one developer who presented it in one of the game shows, and everyone loves her. Mm. And then, if I remember right, she actually left the project. So yeah. <laughs> that was that was kind of funny. Um, so apparently, she left just on good terms, just for a better paying job. So good for her. So uh, the game is releasing on PlayStation Five and PC. Uh, later this year on 25th of March, um, which is odd because Microsoft has bought Bethesda and it's not on their platform, which is kind of weird. But I suppose there are licensing conditions and all sorts of stuff that need to be adhered to in that regard. So yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo on the 25th of March. I'm amped. Uh, Clinton, what are you looking forward to that's coming out? So mine is also coming out on the same day, coincidentally, the 25th of March. That is Tiny Tina's Wonderland. So for those don't know this is a spin-off it's not the name the next main series uh borderlands game uh, it's i think it's based on the borderlands 3 engine but basically it's dungeons and dragons but this time it's borderlands so i think it was for borderlands 2 there was a bit of dlc that was this idea where tiny tina was hosting a dnd session but you actually played it so you were shooting the monsters instead of you know playing a board game and they've spun that out into a full game we don't know how full it's going to be is it going to be as long as a regular Borderlands game? Is it going to be more of a, um, a standalone expansion length? We're, we're not sure at this point, but what we've seen so far is really promising. Um, you know, you either love or you hate Borderlands and the Borderlands humor. I love the gameplay. I don't really like the humor and everything. Mm. I like the art style. And um, last year, I wrote a story about all the big kind of looter shooters. So I, I replayed Borderlands 3 because I hadn't played it since launch. I replayed. Um, borderlands the pre-sequel which is a game that gets a lot of hate but i really love um i replayed the division two and then brendan also um guests posted in the the story about um destiny 2 at the time so i'll I'll link to that story it's basically a recap of the looter shooters at the time and in my mind borderlands still does it best um you can argue with me about that but for the type of game i want where you know, just my, my primitive brain wants to see numbers become bigger. Borderlands does it really well. And I've been looking forward to this. It was announced last year. And it's it's when it was announced, it was like, oh, it's just a few months away. Now, as we get closer, you know, kind, uh, time kind of dilates. And it feels like it's still very far away. But we're finally in March. I'm really excited about this. Um, there's a lot of trailers and gameplay and stuff like that you can check out. And yeah, this one looks really cool. It's funny that they've had a balance. The fact that Dungeons and Dragons is kind of swords and sorcery. But Borderlands is all about guns. And in one of the um the trailers, I can't remember which one, they're like, Why why do we have so many guns? Aren't they supposed to be like medieval times? They're like, don't think about it. I was like, okay, <laughs> I mean, fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean they could have they could have put some extra work into it. Like the um the Borderlands 40k universe is basically half half uh, you know, swords and 
guns and stuff like that, and they make it work. So they, I think they could have put a bit more effort into it, just don't think about it. But that's just set dressing. If I get a gun that looks like a sword and it shoots a grenade, I'll be happy with it. I'm really... Oh, and it, on the site, I'm just looking at it now to get that March 24th. They have like an Excalibur riff where there's like this amazing gun, but it's stuck in the stone. So yeah, it, it's guns. I'm really excited about it. It will be interesting to see how much they deviate from the formula. And I really want them to go more experimental like they did with the pre-sequel. And the pre-sequel still is the only one with jetpacks. Uh, again, I wrote that in the story. In Borderlands 3, there's a joke that an airlock opens and all the jetpacks and grappling hooks and left-handed weapons are sucked out into space. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a joke, but it's like, why don't we have jetpacks and grappling hooks? Put a grappling hook in it, please. <laughs> so yeah, that's March 25th on most platforms. Where's the platform button? Pre-order? Why is your site so slow, Gearbox? Um... Yeah, it's on everything except the Nintendo Switch. Xbox One, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PC, but only on the Epic Games Store. Ugh. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Hope you guys are too. Right. Uh, we've done movies, games. Let's look at product releases now. So this is a bit, this is one, uh, at least for myself, it's going to be a bit of uh, rumor milling. Um so let me go first. Uh, Apple is set to release a or set to host an event next week. Um, that is the 8th of March. Uh, and they will be unveiling something. We don't know what they will be unveiling yet. But uh, given the rumor mill, uh, we have something of an idea of what's coming. So the first thing that we suspect is coming to the uh, the new or the Apple's product lineup uh, are, is a new iPhone SE. So that is Apple's more affordable uh, smartphone. Now, you didn't see it, but I'd put that in uh, inverted commas because more affordable to Apple means that it charges $950 instead of $1,000 for a phone. Um, so uh, according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, who is very good uh, in, in terms of reporting rumors, uh, well, in that the rumors that he reports generally turn out to be true. Um, this iPhone SE will sport uh, 5G connectivity, a better camera, and an improved processor compared to the older generation of iPhone SE. Now, that phone was released in 2018. I think it's 2018. Um, I stand to be correct, about 2018. Um, and an improvement on that is, is not saying much, considering yeah. how old that phone is. Um, and that we have the M1 chips from Apple since uh, these these were launched. So I'd be curious to see not just what or how powerful these phones are, but also what price point they come in um, and whether they're able to compete with uh, affordable Android smartphones. I don't think that they will be able to compete with affordable yeah. Android smartphones, but that remains to be seen. The other set of rumors is that Apple will be launching a new iPad. And to me, that says new iPad Pro because Apple just released a, a batch of uh, a new iPad and a new iPad mini in September last year. Um, so we could see an iPad with the new M1 Pro or M1 Max chip, um, which would be really, really interesting, especially from a creativity standpoint. Uh, I know a lot of people who do art, digital art, are using iPad Pros for that purpose. So a more powerful processor might really, really help in that regard. The ones that I don't think are coming, there's a rumor that we might see a new Mac next week. Uh, I don't think that that will be something that we'll see next week. Um, 
mainly because uh, unless unless we see Apple release the M2 chip as well. So if Apple releases an M2 chip, we might see some new Macs, but I don't think that they will be releasing new Macs when the new chip is so close to being released. Of course, I could be wrong. Um, the reason I also say that is because Intel's just released its 12th generation of uh, processors, and they seem to be performing well and being received well by users in the market. Uh, so Apple might want to just challenge the PC market uh, by doing that. The other thing that they could be released or that is expected to release is iOS 15.4. Uh, um, this is reportedly a new updated version of the OS that will support Face ID with a mask as well as universal, universal control that will allow users to use a single keyboard and mouse trackpad across multiple devices. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll have to wait until 8th of March at 8 p.m. South African time uh, to see what Apple is is launching. But uh, I'm curious to see what they do, uh, especially as regards the iPhone SE. I think Apple can no longer make its, uh, its premier phones the only phones that it has on the market. Like, I know people are going to say to me, oh, but they're too big to fail. Apple's only as big as it is or the most popular brand in one country, and that's the U.S. Yeah. Um, outside the rest of the world, it's Samsung, uh, Oppo, Honor, the Chinese brands, really, that, yeah, that are coming to the fore. I also just want to mention, it seems like uh, Samsung, it seems like Apple's dance on their, you know, not their marketing, but their kind of feelings towards if you don't have enough money, you know, a car payment to buy a phone, they usually direct you towards refurbished models, which is a program they facilitate. Um, so I think they've always kind of positioned that as the alternative to just a cheaper device. And another thing is, uh, I don't know if Apple prides themselves on it, but it's something that the community is very aware of, that usually the secondhand market is good for sellers because uh, your devices usually retain a lot of value but also for buyers because even though they retain a lot of value it's still cheaper than buying new so i think those are avenues that they've always pushed the not the community but the the customers towards instead of just making something cheaper so it will be interesting to see what their position is now so many years after that first se about what is a cheap brand new phone yeah. from app what does it look like and what can it offer us i also think that apple just can't only be a premium brand anymore just in terms of what what is happening in the world um i mean are, are people still buying new iphones as regularly as they were before the pandemic before the chip shortage before the semiconductor shortage i don't know and i don't think that i mean at least in other parts of the world it's clear that people aren't willing to pay the premium for apple i mean even below its announcements a couple of people were just saying like I don't care because if it's a new $5,000 phone, I really don't want it. I really don't yeah. care. Like the market is pushing back. So I'm curious to see what they do just purely for what market sentiment is. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see what they they launch next week. I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, in a podcast in the future. Um, Robin, what have you got for us in terms of new products releasing in March that you're amped about? So from one expensive phone to another. <laughs> um, so we have the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra 5G. Whew, long name. That's a um, Yeah, we have that in for review. So technically speaking, I'm cheating a little bit. This isn't something we received in March. We received it in late Feb. Thanks to Samsung South Africa for that. Um, but our review should be uh, probably 
published uh, next week. Um, the actual S22 series, however, um, it's gone up for pre-order this week. Um, there was, I guess, a pre-pre-order phase where people could, uh, consumers could register their interest in purchasing a device. And I'm assuming that assisted Samsung as far as um, provisioning uh, orders yeah. uh, for the country. So S22 Ultra 5G, which is what we are reviewing it currently, um, the pricing for that starts at 28,999 Rand. So it does not come cheap. But um, in our kind of review process uh, thus far, it's proved really impressive. I mean, for a phone that costs only 30,000 Rand, you are expecting great performance. And it's pretty much ticked every box. Uh, the only issue we've been encountering so far, and this is just as a result of what we're reviewing at the moment, um, is we are reviewing a marketing sample. So this is one of the devices that they had on show at the local event with us. So there is no uh, cover or any kind of protective casing for it. Uh, so I've been very, very... Uh, I've been wrapping this in cotton wool uh, whenever I use it uh, because I do not have 30K lying around uh, to to buy this phone if it gets damaged, uh, knock on wood. But yeah, like I said, it's been pretty impressive so far. Um, the integration of the S Pen has been i wouldn't say key to the experience but it has definitely improved the overall experience uh i'm still struggling to see why samsung has imported this over to more of its i guess less expensive flagship devices um i could see for example the s22 plus it would uh really benefit from having s pen given that it has a larger screen 6.6 inch screen um, perhaps the 6.1 inch of the S22 is not large enough to kind of warrant the use of a stylus, but on the 6.8 inch S22 Ultra, it makes a lot of sense and it is a really great experience. Um, you kind of mentioned the the, the uh, iPad Pro as a device that uh, creative people can use as far as artwork is concerned. I think that the screen and the stylus, the, the kind of sensitivity of it and the accuracy of its of its scribing really lends itself well to creatives um it might not necessarily be a form factor that they are interested in but it could potentially be used in that regard um and yeah as we have been benchmarking it and it has blown pretty much everything out of the water that we have reviewed to date the only thing that comes close to it is another samsung device that's the galaxy z fold 3 that we reviewed last year so yeah um it is really impressive and you expect a 30,000 rand phone to be so, and it is very much living up to that billing. I know that a lot of the the reviews for the S22 series, the, the S22 and the S22 Plus uh, overseas, have kind of said that these are very much vanilla phones, but they also kind of set the standard as far as just a trusted Android device go. Um, that's kind of an, our experience as well. So... Yeah, um, you can keep an eye out for our review next week. And if you do have a spare 30K lying around, the uh, Galaxy S22 series will be available in South Africa from 11th March. So I am really interested to see what the appetite is for this from local consumers, uh, whether they are willing to kind of spend a not unsubstantial amount of money on a new phone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just... These phones are so expensive these days. It's hard. It's really hard to justify. Robin, I do want to ask: When you shake the phone, does it still have that annoying little rattle? 
I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, I remember yeah. when we experienced that. You had the Ultra and I had yeah. the regular one. And we both had. So I haven't. I've got it here. Hold on. Let me just see. Oh, can you hear that? I can hear something. Yeah, yeah. So, so that is, it is a design. It is by design. So your, your phone will sound weird, but it's, it is by design. It's, the, uh, it's part of the camera mechanism. Uh, that moves. So when you when you open the camera, you'll hear that, you, and you shake the phone, you won't hear that anymore because the thing is engaged. Um, it was something that I had to reach out to Samsung about last year because I think it's like a 27,000 Rand phone and then there's a rattle inside of it. I'm like, uh, did I break it? <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's by design. So if you do get a new Samsung and you're shaking it around for whatever reason, and you hear a, a rattle inside it, it is the uh, the camera. If you want to check, though, just open up the camera app and then shake it. And if you don't hear that rattle anymore, then you know it's the camera. If you open the camera and you still hear the rattle, you might want to just contact Samsung. Keep that slip, that uh, purchase, yeah, that approval purchase. Um, uh, just one one last thing, Robin. Did you did Samsung mention what? Are there any like pre order bonuses? Do you get like a set of earbuds or a charger or a case? Uh, no charger, but I have seen that they are bundling it with uh, some Galaxy Buds oh. wireless earphones. Um, uh, we chatted to the uh, one of Samsung South Africa's local execs. Mm. And he did mention that some Vodacom outlets or Vodacom partners would have uh, bundles with the charger, which is not included in the box for anyone that still doesn't know yet. Um, yeah, so you, you kind of have to do a bit of shopping around. Um, the Samsung South Africa portal, where you can kind of see all the retailers that are stocking and have the pre-orders available, where you can kind of go from there as far as checking uh, which retailer uh, has the best bundle or the most appropriate bundle for you. Cool. Um, and wrapping things up, Clinton, you've got something about Throg. I mean, Thor. Yes. <laughs> this is still expensive, but hilariously, it's the cheapest thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> that runs on electricity. Um, but I, I have to mention this because it's so cool. So Lego is making a, I, I want to say one-to-one life-size scale, but Lego has been a bit funny because they've released the measurements of this thing. Um, but they've given it a little stand that puts it at an angle. So I, I don't have the exact measurements, but on the stand with the weird angle, it is 46.2 centimeters long and the head is 29.7 centimeters wide. So this is a big chunk of Lego and that's reflected in the price. The official price is 2,099 Rand uh, from the official Lego store. Um, but the, it, it it can be had cheaper. There's a site uh, called Kitty Winks, horrible name, that um, has it on a pre-order bonus for one uh, pre-order discount for 1,741. So you can get it cheaper, but then you also need to consider that the Lego store currently has, a f- uh, not free, but it has a gift for purchase of um, Jane Goodall um, for Women's Day. Um, they put this thing out. It's, uh, if you spend 2500 or more, you get this little set of Jane Goodall. So, you know, the people, you can choose, do you want it slightly cheaper or do you want it more expensive and you can buy something else to get a free set? Um, that's up to you. But this thing is so cool. I've always wanted uh, a life-size Mjolnir. I know it's called Mjolnir, but Lego actually just calls it Marvel Thor's Hammer. Uh-huh. So don't get upset with me when I just call it Thor's Hammer. That's the official name. So... It's not only a one-to-one scale replica or close to that, but in the head of the hammer, 
there's a little display of Odin's treasure room. So if you take off a panel inside, there's a little thing that has the Flame of Sutur, um, the Infinity Cube. The, um, no, not the Infinity Cube. What's it called? The um, Tesseract. Uh, Tesseract. The Tesseract, yes. That's the name of the thing that held, held the stone. And then it also has uh, Thanos' gauntlet with all the Infinity Stones in it. So there's a cool little display and you get a minifigure of Thor. So I'm just really hyped for this. Um, Lego said before that it will never do one-to-one scale weapons. And I don't know what changed that they're now doing this. Uh, they have said in the past that they trust that kids know the difference between fictional conflict and real-life war, which, yeah, I assume. But then, again, this goes against them making one-to-one scale weapons. I laugh if you measure it. It's going to be like 99%, and it's not one-to-one scale. Um, the only real thing that's not great about this is that, you know, aside from that price... <laughs> is that on the head of the hammer, there's no decorations or anything. So anyone you see in kind of close-up shots of Milner, there is that saying, you know, those who shall be worthy shall have the power of Thor, or the, whatever the correct wording is. And then also, um, there's um, engraved patterns. There is a word for this kind of pattern in metal. I don't know if you guys know what it's called. Um, it has a specific name. Anyway, it's got it's got like cool Celtic drawings and engravings on it. And this doesn't have any of that. It's just plain Lego gray pieces. So take that what you will. It might not be full scale. It's very expensive. It doesn't have those fine details. But I'm so excited for this. It looks so cool. It's such a big just chunk of Lego. And I hope they built it, they built it really sturdy. Because I can see people kind of grabbing this by the handle. And absolutely thrashing with it. Running around the house pretending to hit stuff. Um... I can see, you know, the the famous videos of people playing Wii Sports and the the strap comes off and the controller absolutely decimates a TV. I can see this happening with this hammer, but instead of TVs, just random parts of the environment. And there's a picture of a guy looking at it, and it's such a big display piece. I'm really excited for this one. It's not a phone. It's not powered by electricity, even though it should generate electricity. And it's so expensive. But man, I'm really looking forward to getting this. I do wonder if they'll have um, a minifig for Mighty Thor when uh, Thor Love and Thunder comes out. Because um, uh, Jane, I I know the picking up Mjolnir. Okay, it's yes, it's already oh, it's... revealed, and, and that's not a leak. Lego has revealed two sets based on Love and Thunder, and um, there is the Mighty Thor played by Jane, um, and she has Mjolnir. Um, now, people who have watched the other movies know Mjolnir was destroyed, um, and then it came back. Which one does Jane have? We're not sure, but yes, there is going to be a minifigure of her, and it's already been revealed. And again, that's not a uh, you know a leak. Lego revealed it themselves, and there's another leak in not a leak. There's another reveal of a big character in that set, and I just won't say who it is <laughs> because it's it's a big reveal, and I'll. The first trailer will probably just reveal him in the first 20 seconds. So I won't post that here, but I can tell you, Robin, yes, there is already a minifigure of her. Okay, so I'm assuming the other figure is Korg, right? Sorry? (laughs) Other figure is Korg. Better be. He's he's been in Lego lots of times. (laughs) You can get him already. There's even, there's a Lego set called uh, Bro Thor's New Asgard, and it's of his, like, little living room. Um... (laughs) So yeah, that there, there really is, and there is already a, a little minifig of Throg, um, Frog Thor, which I showed Brendan the other day, and yeah, he got a good laugh out of that. Just by the by, the name of the set that reveals all of this is called the Goat Boat. 
which is like boats. a north it's a norse longship pulled yeah. by two boats which again if you know norse mythology that isn't too surprising uh goats have been like steeds uh in the comic uh thor has a goat named i think his name's tooth nasher or something like that um who's a very powerful goat and it's funny uh frog uh frog thor he uses a piece of mjolnir that was chipped off by that goat that's how it oh. is in the marvel canon so it all comes together so yeah that's um that's Thor's hammer, not Milner. That's coming out by Lego. It's very expensive. You can get it slightly cheaper, um, but it's still very much a luxury item. And I'm really looking forward to this. As soon as I get it, I'm I'm going to be posting about that. That thing's going to be so cool. Awesome. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up from us for the first podcast of March. Um, and yeah, thank you for tuning in. And we'll have links to everything we discussed uh, at the bottom of this post, as always. Um, and yeah, that's going to wrap it up from us. From myself, Brendan Lodge, Cheerio from Kinsamatos. Bye, everybody. And from Robin Lee Chessy. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Cheers. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.